Father, we just love you and we thank you for this morning. Thank you for a time spent in worship. And we thank you, God, that we are set free, God, because of what you've done for us on the cross. God, this morning we pray that our hearts will be open to what you have to say to us through your word. God, speak to our hearts this morning. We love you and we give the rest of the service to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, say with me. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God are all we need, and we need each desperately. Amen. So we're back to David, 1 Samuel chapter 27. Now, at this time in David's life, he should be full of courage, but he's not. He's very discouraged. His courage has left him. And you think about everything that has happened to David that ought to encourage him, we now finding just deplete of any courage at all. Do you find yourself that way at times? If you take inventory of your life, you, you come to the conclusion, perhaps you write down all the things that you have to be thankful for. You write down all the things that you have to rejoice in, but yet you're discouraged. Discouraged means that courage is taken out, and encouraged means that courage is put in. And David finds himself here in chapter 27 with all the courage that should be in him has been taken out. You think about all the reasons he has to be encouraged. He just got through walking into the middle of Saul's army in the middle of the night, and he takes his water jug and his spear away. Now, the scripture says that the Lord put Saul and all his men into a deep sleep. But somehow or another, David has forgotten or lost track of that. Remember, uh, David has had Saul's spear chunked at him several times now. Remember, David found himself and his troops on one side of the hill, and Saul and his army were on the other side of the hill. All that's between them is a few hundred yards. And then the Philistines attack Israel, and Saul is has to take his army and go defend his city. And, and God saved him again. And so over and over and over, God has protected David. God has saved David. But David, he's not aware of that or he, he's not able to think through that well and be full of courage. And he's discouraged. Verse 1 of chapter 27. We see in verses 1 and 2, 3 and 4 actually, the main reasons why David is without courage. Verse 1 says, Then David said in his heart, that's the very first thing, David said in his heart. The New Living Translation says that David kept thinking to himself. That's the problem. That's why David is discouraged. 
That's why he doesn't have any courage. That's why he is, is making some foolish mistakes is because he's thinking to himself. There's no mention of prayer. There's no mention of asking other people. There's no mention of anyone holding him accountable to what God has been doing. There's no thinking back to all that God has done in his life. He's just reasoning with himself. And, and it is a, a clear sign that discouragement will follow when all we do is think to ourselves. When we try to read life circumstances through our own filter, we're likely to become discouraged. When we're not having anyone being objective in our life and, and, and letting us see things that perhaps we can't see. Remember, we talked about David, he needed to learn the lesson of where are my blind spots? What am I missing? What do I not understand? And, and it, is, it is not a good practice for us to go through life always and only thinking within ourselves. That's one of the reasons why David is discouraged. When we withdraw from people, when we withdraw from God, when, when we isolate ourselves from other people, Discouragement has a heyday. Courage is very difficult to muster when we're all alone in our problems. One of the crazy things that happens when people go through problems in life is they don't want anyone to know about it. Like, you're the only one that ever has any problems. That's not reasonable. That doesn't make any sense. But that's really what we go through. Even if we go through it time and time again, often we don't learn that valuable lesson that everyone has problems. In the body of Christ, there's people that have been through similar problems or perhaps even the same problems. And we need to not isolate ourselves from God's way of helping us. If you find yourself discouraged, it very well could be that the reason why you're discouraged is prayer in taking place. You're not talking with other people. You're not accountable to other people and you're isolated. You're not thinking to all the things that God has done. And all the information that you have to go on is within yourself. Within yourself. Faulty thinking, negative thinking, pessimism, lack of faith, lack of hope, all those things began to build in our life and we get discouraged. Courage is taken out. And then we see in the very first phrase that David utters here, he says, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. I, I just want to sit down with David at this point and just say, now will you really, David? Are you really gonna perish by the hand of Saul? We hadn't seen any of that yet. Matter of fact, we have seen just the opposite of that. You have been in the crosshairs of Saul time and time and time again, and he hadn't taken your life yet. He has tried, 
but you've dodged a spear. He has, he has sought you, but God has hidden you from him. God has put them to sleep. God has always protected you. If you look back in your life, David, you don't see any hint, any sign that Saul is able to take your life. Why in the world are you thinking now, I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul? This is how dark it is. This is how black my life is. This is how hopeless my life is. God hadn't ever done anything for me. God hadn't taken charge of my life. I've been called to be the king of Israel, and there's this maniac king now, and he just after me because the people saying that David killed his 10,000s and Saul killed his thousand, and he's an egomaniac, and he's full of anger and hatred, and he's just seeking revenge. There's no way this can end up well for me. That's David. That's David's mindset. Now, I can see him being very diplomatic with that, right? Very statesmanlike. Now, I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. David has lost objectivity. That's a clear path to being discouraged when you've lost all objectivity. Every believer that goes through times of depression, most likely there is a lack of objectivity to it. Now, believers go through depression, no question about that. Elijah was depressed, Moses got depressed, David gets depressed, we can see it in the book of Psalms. God's people get depressed and they go through hard times. But the primary reason why chronic depression takes over and habitual worry and ongoing anxiety that there's no relief from is because we lose our objectivity. Think about the times that, that you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can't see any hope. You can't see any possibility of any relief from your present problem. You get like David. It's just never going to work out for me. It's just never going to end up well for me. Now, everyone knows that there's going to come a day where Saul is going to finally take my life. There's not anything that I can do. Oh, really, David? That's not what has been taking place. So if you find yourself without any objectivity, what you need to do is say, okay, I, 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 I want to talk with you for a while, and you're going to talk with someone that you trust, someone that's safe with you, and, and someone that you see living by faith, a believer that believes. Isn't that an interesting way of looking at that? A believer that really believes, and say to them, this is how I see my situation. How do you see it? I see your situation, David, like it doesn't seem like there's no way in the world you can be stopped from becoming the king of Israel. That means, David, you don't die at the hands of Saul. You remember we were on that mountain? Yeah, think about that for a minute. Remember, David, when he chunked that spear when we, when, after you were playing that harp. Remember how it went right by your ear. Do you remember that? Yeah. 
Do you remember how you were able to walk right into the middle of Saul's camp and you took his spear and you took his water jug and then you went outside and you taunted Abner and Saul, he just was broken when he understood what had just taken place. David, from my perspective, from what I see, I, I, I don't see why in the world you're so discouraged with your situation. God's in control of things here. God continually helps you. Snap out of it, David. Snap out of it. Come on now. See things the way you need to see them. Be objective about yourself. God is on his throne, and, and from what I see, God is working in your life, and God's hand is on you, and why in the world you're walking around in the dundrums here, I don't know. Don't know why in the world you're like that. But David lost his objectivity. If you're discouraged, if you can't find any hope, if you can't find any possibility of, of moving forward with faith and courage for tomorrow, it may very well be that you've just been thinking within yourself and you're, you've lost your objectivity about how things really, truly are. Why do we worry about things that's never going to happen, that hasn't happened and most likely won't happen? I have a good time with my mom. She didn't like it that I ride a motorcycle. And uh, I went down to see her for Mother's Day last Thursday and Friday and pulled up in the backyard and said, boy, you got here pretty quick. Oh, I drove 110 most of the way, Mom. <laughs> Holy, you did it. I left earlier and I thought I'd leave, Mom. Oh, gosh, I, you know, I just worry when you ride that motorcycle. And I say, but remember, Mom, if I think I'm about to wreck, I'm speeding up. I'm going to make sure there's nothing left. <laughs> she, she doesn't like that a bit. But every time there's a motorcycle wreck, it's me. Mom, there's thousands of motorcycle wrecks you hear about. But every time she hears about it, it's me. And loses objectivity. You know, I don't pop willies going down the highway. I don't race other bikes. I don't try to cut people off. It happens sometimes, but not intentionally. I'm that mild-mannered biker. All right. Number three. Check this out. So he says, There is nothing better for me than that I, sh I should escape to the land of the Philistines. There's nothing better for me. Faulty decision-making. You mean to tell me, David, that the best thing that you can come up with is you're going to go live with the enemy? Yep. That's the very best thing I can do. If I go and blend in with the Philistines, you remember Goliath was a Philistine. Remember, the enemy is the Philistines. He's going to go. He believes his very best possibility to remain safe is to go live with the enemy. Now, that's faulty reasoning. That doesn't make any sense. But think about when you've really been discouraged 
and you lack courage and you haven't been talking with the Lord and you haven't been talking with other people about what ought to happen and you're not open to listening, you're not teachable, isn't that when you make the biggest mistakes? Isn't that when you make the biggest blunders? That's when I do. When you're not going to listen to anybody, I'm going to do it my way, I don't care what anybody says. You need to look out, it's fixing to come. Problems are going to set in. And so David, he reasons within himself, and he says, there's nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me, and he will not seek me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I can escape out of his hand. Faulty, faulty decision-making. This is very similar to when we just live any way we want to, do anything we want to do, seeking any pleasure you want to seek, because after all, that's all that can really happen, and we make poor choices. And there's no question that poor choices breed poor choices. And we reap what we sow, and that's one of the principles that we've learned in the, in the book of David, in the book of uh, 1 Samuel about David, is you reap what you sow, and you reap more than you sow. And when you start making poor decisions, siding with the enemy, being disobedient to God, before you realize it, you're overwhelmed with consequences of your decisions. You gotta be real careful. Be real careful that you ever say, the very best thing I can do when you haven't considered what God wants. And then the next thing we see here is in verse two. So David arose and went over, he and the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, the king of Goth. Now, David is discouraged. David is not making good choices. And the bad thing for the 600 men is, David is their leader. When we are discouraged, it impacts other people. When we lack courage, it impacts other people. Matter of fact, we're in, when we're involved with other people, whatever our condition of heart is, it impacts other people. If you're really discouraged about your life, it impacts your family. If you're discouraged about your life, it impacts your team at work or school. It impacts them. We can't help but impact one another. Now, they may be mature enough and they may see what's going on and they may be able to live beyond that, but they're still having to expend some energy to overcome your lack of courage. That's true of everything in it. These 600 men, and we're gonna find out in a chapter or two, that things don't turn out so good for David to find refuge among the Philistines. And then we find there in verse four, and when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. The lesson for us in this, 
We can choose to be disobedient. We can choose the way of the world. We can choose to operate without what God wants. There may be temporary relief. There's temporary relief for, for David here. And when we are lured by the pleasures of, of, of the flesh, when we're lured away by disobedience, and when we entertain the things of the world, you, you might have a good time for a time, for a season. There may be relief for a moment, but it's short-lived. And that's what David experiences. Now, let's look what happens in verse 5. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a, let a place be given me in one of the country towns, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Achish gave him Ziklag, Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now, look in verse 8. Now, David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites the Gerzites and the Amalekites. For these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as sure to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the garments, and come back to Achish. When Achish asked, where have you made a raid today? David would say, against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of the Jerites, or against the Negev of the Kenites. He lied. He never told the truth to Achish. You know why? He didn't want that king to know what he was doing. He wasn't about to attack his own people. He was attacking Achish's people. And he was killing everyone so no one was alive to be able to take word back to King Achish. In verse 11 it says, And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring the news to Gath, thinking lest they should tell about us and say, So David has done. Such was his custom all the while he lived in the country of the Philistines. Such was his custom. When we are discouraged and we're thinking within ourselves and all we can think about is ruin and we find ourselves making poor decision after poor decision. We come up with the very best solution we can, and the very best solution that we can come up with is something that contradicts what God wants from us. It's living without faith. It's living without trust. It's living without being upright with God. And we choose to entertain the pleasures of the world and the pleasures of sin for a while, and, and temporary relief is experienced. 
But in order to keep the scheme going, we've got to lie and lie and lie and lie. And he had to keep the lie going to keep the King Achish off him. Now, here's the lesson for us in this. When you start going down the wrong road, you start very, perhaps, um, just with a small dose of wrong. Just a little bit. Maybe it's innocent. Maybe it's just a, an innocent little thing that you're going to do. Well, that little thing builds to another thing, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And you start spiraling down the wrong road, and before long, you've got to lie, cheat, deceive, and steal to keep it all covered up. That's what he did. That's exactly what David did. This is the king to be. This is the man after God's own heart. Are you discouraged and you don't really have reason to be? Are you discouraged and the reason why you're discouraged is you just think within yourself. You're discouraged because you don't let anyone talk with you about your life. You're closed. You don't want anybody to know your business. You won't go to a small group. You won't go to a Bible study. You won't meet with other believers because they don't want, you don't want them knowing your stuff. They're going to judge me. Maybe you need to be judged. Maybe it's not judgment. Maybe it's just observation. Hey, man, you're going down the wrong road, David. David, you have no reason to be so subjective about everything. You've lost your objectivity. You should realize that God has taken care of you over and over and over. He's still got you in his hand. Now, why in the world are you making these crazy choices? David needed somebody, but you know, he's the king. It's like Elvis. Nobody would speak to Elvis. Nobody thought they were able to talk with Elvis, right? And Elvis's little mafia group, you've heard stories about them. They saw him doing all those drugs and destroying himself. And no one had the guts to say, this has got to stop because they were all making money off of him. And they didn't want to lose that. But Elvis needed someone to say, hey boy, this isn't going to end well. You're not going to sit in your rocking chair and sing Blue Moon of Kentucky, whatever he's saying, to your grandkids. It ain't going to happen, Elvis. And he died way too young. Well, if you think about people like that, that are totally closed off people, especially the powerful people, man... They, they, they just make horrible choices, and, and there's no one there to speak into their lives. Well, the same is true of people just like us. We'll isolate ourselves, and we won't let anyone speak to us. We're not seeking God's help. We're not open to what other people think, and, and we just listen within ourselves. And when you get off track... 
you get off track and then you get off track and then you can't even see the track. You can't even see the track. And David finds himself for a year and four months in the heart of the enemy, lying and lying and lying to keep his gig going. David. And it says in verse 12, And Achish trusted David, thinking he has made himself an utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore he shall always be my servant. Now that wasn't true, but boy, without God, it would have been true. We become slaves to masters that aren't healthy for us when we become so discouraged that we think within ourselves. We come up with the best possible solution we can come up with. We isolate, we lose our objectivity, and we build a wall around us, and we won't let anyone in. Are you discouraged? And you don't need to be. Now, you might be discouraged about something that is discouraging. Maybe you need all of us to come together in prayer and lift up and strengthen and support. But if we're completely objective with faith, if God is the creator and God is on his throne, and if God truly is God, and Jesus truly did come and die for us on the cross and pay the price of our sins. And then he rose back into heaven and he's at the right hand of God in the place of all power and all authority. And he loves us. We have nothing to ever lose. David. David was discouraged, and he had no reason to be. If you're discouraged and you have no reason to be, pray. Take spiritual inventory. Force yourself to look at all that God has done for you. Talk to believers who believe. And move forward with courage by faith, trusting God to work and fulfill the promises he's made to you. And, and simply, believers got to believe. We have to believe. I just pray, Lord, that this lesson from 1 Samuel 27, your spirit will work in our hearts. We praise you and we thank you for your love for us. I pray for any of your children that are here today, Lord, who are full of discouragement. I pray your spirit will lift that burden from them, will lift that negative spirit, will remove those demonic influences, will change the perspective. And maybe the perspective is doubt and it will be replaced with belief. And Lord, 
a lack of courage will be replaced with courage that you give. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.